Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Welcome to the Ohio win a little bit later today. I know some people like to watch it live. Um, just hey, life happened, which is okay. Uh, but we usually uh, record this from six to seven. Again, you know, life happens. That's where I take it. But I'm here with Craig. Our brain's a little bit under the weather. We hope to have him back tomorrow. Craig, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. A little tired, but uh, pushing through. Yeah, I, I hopefully you use the extra 15, 30 minutes of sleep. <laughs> no, not quite, but uh, <laughs> it, was a late, yeah. it was a late night last night and an early morning, so oh, it we'll, we'll push through it. It makes us stronger, I guess. So, yeah. All right, let's do a couple promos before we get started on our stuff. Um, talked to Rachel Coyle last night. Um, you know, state politics, we like to talk about the state here. Uh, she's a co-founder of How Things Work at the Ohio State House. And we talked a little bit about the budget. Kind of went over some of the things we've talked about here on the show. She gave her impression about the marketing campaign and the broadband proposals. And she also talked about some other things. So if you're sitting out there, and I got to be honest, I'm not a huge state budget guy myself. Uh, but Rachel did a pretty good job of trying to explain why the state budget matters. So check that podcast out. It should be interesting. Uh, lots of stuff upcoming. Recording another Seinfeld tonight with Laura uh, Kessel. I, I don't even know off the top of my head which one we're talking about, but but tune in. Uh, we'll have it live on um, our Twitch and uh, Twitter channels uh, for Ohio. And so if you want an early preview, you can check it out tonight. It's going to be at 5. And at 4.30, the great Tyler Buchanan from Ohio Capital Journal. Uh, we're going to be talking about some budget stuff. And i got to bring up Twitch. Uh, Twitch <laughs> has become a interesting <clears throat> topic, so... I'll definitely bug him about Twitch. I'm sure he'll be excited to talk about that. And, yes, I did put quote marks uh, when I say excited. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, and, again, subscribe to us. I'm trying to add a little bit more links so you know exactly how to subscribe. But, yeah, subscribe to us on um, Google Podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, we're on four different uh, channels. Uh, subscribe to Twitch. Um, I know we joke around about that. We have all of our live shows on that, and I goof off of video games. Craig, I haven't had time to goof off of video games this morning. I was running a little bit behind, but we'll see. I mean, you're not going to see a lot of video game content from me, but hey, when the mood strikes or I'm trying to lock myself at the door and hide from family, maybe I'll do a little bit more. Who knows? All right. 
I think we've gotten through all our promos. Uh, let's talk about some of the things going around on around Ohio today. And bear with me. Sorry about that. Um, got a little bit of feedback. Do you hear why I have feedback, Craig? Mm, uh, not really, no. Okay. It, it comes to my ear a lot more, so I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, Bring on my show seat. It always pays to be prepared, Craig. This is this is one of those days, man. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, well, to start out, there was some late breaking news last night. Uh, Columbus's batch had, along with some of the, our Cleveland TV stations, our Columbus TV stations down here. Um, Adam Coy, we've talked about him a lot. Um, he was the Columbus police officer <clears throat> that shot and killed um, Andre Hill, um, who's an unarmed black man. Um, responding to a noise complaint call. And um, he was indicted last night. And in the indictment, some more information came out. Um, Adam Coy's lawyer spoke for the first time. Um, the police officer was saying, hey, look, there was a ring that looked like a revolver. I had to make a quick decision. It was very interesting, Craig. Um, if you look at the indictment, he got charged with felony murder. Okay? Now, I've been pretty staunch going, look, something needs to happen here. We can't just sit there and say, oh, all's well, nothing happened, something's got to happen. But, you know, something needed to happen. It did. I'll tell you, though, felony murder, if you get charged with felony murder, if I'm going to prove you guilty, I have to say, hey, you knew what you were doing. You had to go do something about it. That And the lawyer made an interesting point. That might be a high bar to climb. Uh, there was also a charge of assault, um, and, and the lawyer was kind of questioning that. I, I can understand maybe the assault charge. Also, a dereliction of duty, and I think that had to kind of go back to the body camera thing, which, sure. you know, we've railed on this on the show going, look, if you have body cameras, use it. And it's not necessarily a bad thing for police officers. It can help protect a police officer. If there's a charge against a police officer that's not true, <laughs> why didn't he have his body camera on? Uh, so, what do you think about the charges, and do you think uh, they might be a little sick? Well, you know, I think in this case, and I cover cops and courts in, in Sandusky County, and I think you you always sort of want to try to go at for the for the best thing you can charge someone with the the most you know punishable crime, and then at that point maybe you work your way back. Um, you know, just because someone's charged with felony murder does not mean that that's going to stick around. Uh, that's not to say that it shouldn't. I'm not, you know, I'm not the prosecutor in this case, and I'm, I wasn't there, and we don't know all the facts of the case. But, um, you know, I will say this too. Most, in most cases, prosecutors will only bring charges that they believe that they can prove in a court of law. And if and then and that means that they think that this is going to go to trial. They think every case is going to go to trial before it doesn't. And that you know they charge people and seek indictments on charges based on what they think they can prove in court. Now, you know the the flip side of that is it's easy to indict someone, and especially easy to indict, indict someone for murder. You don't have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this man had malice and intent. But I think it's a starting off point. You know, you see the other charges like dereliction of duty. You know, it's already been reported that if you know in the autopsy that if CPR had been, uh, you know, provided uh, to the man immediately after the shooting, he may have survived. Yeah. 
that's another part that's another part of that dereliction of duty along with the body cam stuff um so I, I think it's a starting off point i wouldn't be shocked if in you know eventually this gets pleaded down um a lot of that's just going to depend on what kind of evidence the prosecutor has moving forward um to really prove that because it's not easy to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone intended to shoot someone or you know kill someone so it'll be a, a challenging you know case for the prosecutor but you know there is a reason why they would bring charges like that in an indictment and, and seek that and again we're not making any determination <clears throat> on the case because again we're just media members who have a podcast so i mean we're not saying he's guilty or he's innocent we're just reporting what the lawyer said for right. the police officer adam coy and also you gotta understand too What's the lawyer going to say the day the indictments are announced? Oh, crap, we're screwed. You know, I mean, he's going to say, look, right. the charges aren't founded because of this, this, and this. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the lawyer's going to you know, make his statement to help support his client. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, yeah, you bring up an interesting point. You know, sometimes I think in the past when um, these cases are prosecuted, they'll say, okay, here's this one charge. And if that charge is sick, the guy goes free. And maybe the thought is, hey, if you have a couple charges, maybe there's a better chance of one six. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's true, too. And I think, like I said, you know, it's a starting off point where, you know, they could reduce those charges. to. I, I And I don't know exactly what Columbus Law has as far as maybe their, their tier level of if they have different tiers of murder or if they have maybe a, like a manslaughter or, you know, accidental or whatever. So it's it's definitely a starting off point that you know we it may not stay that way but i think in this case the prosecutor wanted to make a statement as well as far as seeking the indictment for murder uh knowing that there's a lot of out, you know outrage after this incident occurred so i think that uh the, the city is actively trying to make this an example of the of what you know the outrage you know in response to that outrage well and i got to say too and again we're media members so this is probably something that, as a journalist, we get upset about. And, you know, the rest of you are like, ah, who cares? <clears throat> but it, it was funny the way it went down uh, because, you know, sometimes in the media you get wind of something where they either don't tell you or say, hey, uh, they call it embargo, where they say, hey, look, you know, we're, we got this announcement coming. Don't tell us to your readers, but we want you to know. You know, it could be a, a later night because you think of it, especially with earlier deadlines, a lot of news reporters, I mean, uh, bigger papers like the dispatch, they'll, they'll always have a night reporter, but a lot of times your day reporters are gone by the end of the day. This thing was announced. And again, a press release was put out saying, Hey, um, there's going to be a press conference. There's an indictment. There's charges coming. Craig, the, the announcement that went out to the media was at 632 that mm. Dave Yost was having a press conference at 645, which was interesting. <laughs> and I'm not critiquing Dave Yost. I don't know what the situation was. And again, we were very critical, I think even a couple days ago here on the podcast, saying, hey, th there's two shootings of unarmed people of color here in Columbus. Where's the investigation at? You know, what's happening? We have no idea what's going on. So this kind of came out of left field. And again, there's probably a perfectly rational reason why it happened. But, man, these indictments were announced at 632. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was after the end of the business day. Again, I'm not just scraping from the media aspect. The timing of this is really interesting. 
Well, I think, you know, given the, the fact that it was held virtually, maybe they, they believe that 15 minutes is a suitable amount of time to for the appropriate news staffs to get their person on the, the virtual call. Um, if it was in person, 15 minutes would have been a ridiculous request of time. Um, but I think virtually you could probably get away with a 15-minute window or I guess in this case 13 minutes or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very quick turnaround. We've we've had some quick turnarounds, like if we've had like a news conference or something. But generally speaking, they try to give you ample amount of time because they know, especially in our area, that people from Toledo may be driving an hour from the TV stations to get down to our area to cover something. Uh, other news outlets that maybe live 20, 30, 40 minutes away that might want to come. But yeah, I mean, thankfully it was virtually, so that meant everybody that wanted to get involved could get involved. But you know, well, it, let me ask, well, let me ask if, if I can ask an awkward question, sorry to interrupt. No, you're not fine. even just from a, a complaint from the media going, oh, I need to talk this earlier. I haven't covered as many indictments, and maybe this is different because this is coming directly from the state. <clears throat> Do they usually announce, is it odd to announce indictments after hours? Like, like sometimes you think of it as, especially when it comes from the state, okay, you hear these announcements from nine to five. If something happens later at night, unless it's groundbreaking or of national security or state security, you say, hey, we'll announce this 8 a.m. tomorrow. Was it strange that they made the announcement after business hours? Not even from media sense. I mean, the state offices aren't aren't usually open that way. No, they're not. But, you know, and not to try to, like, insert myself back into it, but... Um, you know, a few years ago in 2016, our sheriff was indicted on many, many charges, 43 charges, in fact, many of them felonies. And it was a an all day kind of um, indictment. I mean, we they started with a grand jury, maybe, you know, maybe around 8, 9 a.m. or whatever. And it went literally until after dark. It was in, you know, we're talking about the summertime when it doesn't get dark until like eight or nine o'clock. So it was a very long night. And I think a lot of it was just because it was the sheriff. And in this case, right. the high profile case. So I think that if the indictment had come at nine 30 in the F in, at night, they would have, you know, scheduled a presser for nine 45. I just think it oh, was okay. because of how high profile the case was. If it would have been done at noon, they would have, they would have given it to you then. But I think it was so high profile that you know, I don't know exactly how the grand jury process works in Columbus, but it might have been something where they didn't convene the grand jury until, you know, nine o'clock at, or, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. Or maybe they they took a long time to dissect all the information that they wanted to present to the grand jury um, to ensure the, the, you know, the indictment would come down for murder and for the other charges. So um, there's a lot of factors at play, but given the fact that it is a high profile case, I'm not surprised that it happened at 632. Um, and yeah, you know, you realize that, you know, everybody in the, in the government world is, is off work by 632 for sure. But in this case, it, it, there's an exception made because of how high profile this case is. So you're saying generally speaking, if it's anything newsworthy, not just from a media angle, but from an aspect of, man, we probably need to let the public know about this. Right, right. Right yeah. after and it happens. And especially in this case, and especially in this case with, with how much the public has invested into this story, 
I, I think they would have given it to you at eleven thirty-five if they had to. I, I think as soon. I don't know when the indictment came down. It's possible that the indictment came down, and then all of a sudden now you've got to figure out, okay, how are we going to do a press conference? What should right, we tell right. them? Um, you know, in, in my case with the sheriff, the uh, special prosecutor literally, you know, got done, went over to the courthouse, did some paperwork, filing, and things like that, and then she came down on the uh, front steps and. She talked about it right then and there. Um, So she didn't really have a whole lot of time. Now, I don't know if, you know, if Yost had time to kind of prepare himself and, you know, get ready for the announcement. It's possible that that happened, but it's also possible that, you know, maybe they they got the indictment, you know, secured at like six o'clock and they said, okay, let's prepare ourselves. Let's get a statement ready. Let's get the list of charges and what, you know, maybe we're allowed to tell the media at this time and then we'll go. And then 632 happens to be the email they send out. No, that really helps because I I'm not accusing like Yost's office of you know they have the indictment eight a.m. and they say oh let's wait for ten hours and yeah you know make it tough I, I was just curious to see the background and obviously you, you don't have direct knowledge of what happened but I, I appreciate your insight because that kind of helps you know kind of understand why the timing happened the way it happened so. Yeah, yeah as, a, as a journalist, though, you're you know you you want everything neat and tidy before you leave from work or before you, you know. I remember being there that that day in 2016. I was sitting in the parking lot at the, um, at the courthouse for like eight hours. I mean, I just sat there and waited and waited and waited right. and you know, and you you're like, well, maybe I can go grab a bite to eat. But then you're like, well, if I do that, then they're going to come out and start talking, and I won't be there. They don't have right. to wait for you to be there. So, right. you know, it's it's nerve wracking for journalists because you're like. You want it the, the, the minute you can get it, and you certainly want it before deadline, and you certainly want it before you leave work, but that doesn't always happen that way, especially in cases like this where it's so high profile that oh, yeah. whatever time it came down, they were going to get it out. Well, it, it happens more than, than we think. I mean, you, you know, obviously, this case yesterday was of huge media importance. Uh, you know, the sheriff, you know, maybe it wasn't a state story, but locally it was a humongous story. Um, you know, I think back... Um, when I was the editor, the city I covered, there was a a board of elections action against the city, and they had a hearing in nearby city in the county. And you know, I had to wait. And thankfully, I had a good source that I said, "Hey, buddy, I got to go back to the office and do some work." He called me when it was announced, and you know, I got the information that way. But yeah, it's tough, and, and I appreciate that, Craig. Good insight into you know being a journalist and, and what's happened there, and. Yeah, we'll definitely track this case as it continues. I'm not sure exactly what the next steps will be. I know it's a conversation I'm going to have probably pretty soon while I go into work today. And it'll, it'll be interesting to track it, you know, from Gannett's side and, and also here at the Ohio. Um, this stuff will be lost. We'll, we'll talk about this case. But, yeah, interesting to see if something happened and let the courts play out because we don't know for sure. I mean, I, yeah, we know from video, but uh, you know, we, we definitely want to make the court play out and see, you know, if their charges say he gets prosecuted. It'd be interesting to see what happens. All right, well, let's move on. Um, we talked about the Super Bowl. Obviously, it's coming this weekend. We're not necessarily a football podcast. Probably on Friday, we'll give our picks for the game. But one dimensions, I thought this was kind of cool. Here in Columbus, uh, Columbus, one of the companies here is Scott's Miracle Grow. And they are doing their first Super Bowl commercial on Sunday, which is kind of a big deal, man. Uh, it's a 45-second ad, 
And obviously, these ads cost a lot of money, so it should be interesting. Um, John Travolta and Martha Stewart's going to be in that too, which I I think is kind of cool. I, what do you think about picking Martha Stewart and John Travolta for your Super Bowl ad? Well, you know, I mean, I'm not sure how they decided on them, but, uh, you know, it's you want some star power when you have Super Bowl commercials or – you know, you want somebody that people either recognize, and I'm sure Martha Stewart will be recognized by a lot of people. John Travolta, maybe not as much these days, but, um, you know, it's kind of interesting that they, they're, you know, they're kind of going all in here and, you know, 45 second spot. So they're going to be spending quite a bit of money on this. But, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting to see. It's, it's fun to see new companies come into the Super Bowl commercial game because you always see Anheuser-Busch, you always see Pepsi and Coke and, you know, some of those name brand, you know, top brands out there in the country. But it's good to see something that's maybe a little bit more local and a little bit less popular maybe than, you know, those name brands like McDonald's or Coke. And um, it'll be fun to see it. I can't wait to see what happens. We, I'm going to see if we can put a link to the ad in, into the podcast blog i'm i'm learning that anytime you go on youtube like we do whenever you play any video <laughs> that is any official you know youtube kind of um frowns on that so i don't want to get in trouble with youtube but yeah i'll see if we can find a link to the ad but yeah i mean they got a lot of pretty good celebrities i mean yeah, yeah, Carl you know, Weathers. yeah. I, I mean travolta and martha Stewart are a list right now but they're definitely recognizable um yeah carly carl weathers leslie david baker that's Stanley from The Office, right? I think so, yeah. What's Carl Weathers known from? I know the name, but... He's, he played Apollo Creed in, in, in the Rocky movies. Oh, okay. And he's Very currently you know, and he was in The Mandalorian as well, so he's got a little bit more uh, popularity, and that's that's sort of what he's been up to these days. So, yeah. NASCAR driver Kyle Busch and fitness instructor Emma Lovewell. I, I'm... I don't know who that is. <laughs> We're not big fitness people, Craig and I. So <laughs> I'm sure another person on the podcast would be like, "Yes, Emma Lovewell." I definitely understand, but we're like, who, "Who's that?" You know, it's not yeah. good. Uh, but yeah, it, interesting stuff. Um, I know here in Central Ohio, uh, the story was talking about how this is the first time in a few years that a company based in Central Ohio has done one or with significant operations here. And actually, Scott's is based in Marysville, which is okay. kind of a suburb a little bit north of Columbus here. Right. And some of the ads uh, done by Central Ohio companies, Victoria's Secret, Nationwide, Wendy's, remember the words to beef what was a big deal, um, right. and Honda. And if you remember some of these other ads, uh, Victoria's Secret had its online halftime fashion show which is teased by ad the game's first half in 1999, and it crashed its website. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, these these guy football fans are like, oh, I, I could watch a Victoria's Secret fashion show. Right. They were probably spring to the internet back then. Yeah. And then, you know, you look at um, Where's the Beef, you look at Nationwide's Make Safe Happen. Um, it, it was also known as the Dead Kid commercial. I don't remember the ad specifically, but I remember an ad uh, because in 2015 it drew criticism. And I think I remember the criticism afterwards. I, I don't remember the ad itself, but yeah, hey, we're we're Ohio-based podcast. Love seeing Ohio spotlighted, and yeah, it's exciting to see that. So 
And they're also doing like an eight-week social media campaign. So, you know, hey, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of growth or traction that Scott's gets from this. Yeah. I do think, like I was telling you about, Brandon, I mean, Craig, you know, hey, if you screw up a Super Bowl halftime, man, I'll be freaked out. So, I mean, well, I'll be firstly, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure that Scott's probably isn't used to investing what, five and a half plus million dollars on on one ad. So it's uh, it's definitely one of those make or break. You got to hope you've gotten the right celebrities and the right you know hint of of, of humor or whatever they decide to go with. I'm sure it's going to be funny, but yeah, it's a lot of money to invest for a you know. Now it's a growing business, but still, it's you know. A lot of money. Well, and I kind of wonder too. I mean, the way the story is written, it, it, it's a main Super Bowl ad you can see across the country. They do sell some local Super Bowl ads, which right. do cost more. But I mean, the, from the understanding I have from the story, it's it's a main Super Bowl ad, right? Yeah, it, that's. I guess I, I'm assuming so. Yeah, I'm not sure. Right. You know, obviously it's, you can do the pregame and postgame stuff, and then the local ads that come on. You know. But yeah, it, well, and there's local ads, Columbus ads that come on every Super Bowl down here, right? Yeah, and, and this is yeah, it's the second quarter. It's going to run the second quarter of the game. So, like yeah. I said, we're going to try to fetch a link that you can watch it. And hey, Super Bowl's coming up on Sunday. I know we're all going to be watching the ads, so looking forward to checking out. It should be good. Yeah, John Tula has his daughter in too, which yeah. is interesting. I don't so, know. I, Interesting cast of characters. I wonder if they're all going to like mingle together, or if they're going to be like separate or whatever. I don't. Kind of an interesting cast. It brings back Leslie David Baker, the the fun office. I don't think they were making a Super Bowl ad, but when they were making a TV ad and all the hijinks that came from there. So I don't know. We we should have an ad. I mean, I know Gannett, <laughs> like all journalism companies, we're working hard to make things work. So I, I don't think we have extra millions lying around just for a Super Bowl ad. But I, I want a local Fremont News Messenger ad. You know, maybe not in the Super Bowl, but in local TV would oh. be great. Well, I, you know, I think I'd rather just take the money and, and, and absorb that into a salary, you know, right. or something like that. Well, be really, fun. I would I would shoot a commercial if they asked, hey, you want to shoot a commercial or act like you're working or something or whatever, you know. Or reinvest in the journalism. That's what yeah. I say. That's important. Yeah. Um, want to briefly mention this. Um, unemployment has been a big issue in Ohio. We've been very critical of their computer system. And, you know, there's a Ohio lawmaker once more checks on unemployment, Medicaid, and food stamps to prevent fraud. I don't think there's any reason why we say, hey, this is a bad idea. But I'll tell you, Craig, the one thing that bugged me is, you know, we talk about Gannett. Uh, we all chose to take furloughs last year um, to, you know, just help the company out. because It's a hard time for everybody. We're, we're in the midst of COVID. Um, I will tell you what bummed me out was I was very appreciative that Gannett helped clear the way for unemployment. You know, they, they said, hey, here's how you do it. And they made it a whole lot easier. But at the time, I had a part-time job in addition and the state screws up because the state does a really bad job of not explaining your unemployment. So we joke around about, hey, we're going to scam the system. We don't want to scam the system. We're, we're guys that run, you know, in favor of the law and everything. But 
I'm wondering if some of these fraud things that they talk about aren't really fraud, like us saying, hey, let's get money out of the state, but more of, I don't know if the customer service is that good. Like, I think, think back to employment. When you called to check on an unemployment check, you were waiting for hours. They didn't right. have the staff to understand that. So I think the thing that I'm curious about this is, is the state providing more access to customer service so we understand how to do these things so we don't create this problem? Well, you hope so. I mean, I think the governor has talked about this. I, I can't remember if, if, if the number that he gave was in relation to customer service, but I think he said somewhere in like the 2,000 or more range of, of, of help, you know, people that are helping out with, with customer service. But, you know, the problem is we, we weren't expecting last year to have thousands upon thousands of Ohioans, you know, apply for unemployment. It happened. We weren't prepared. We're, you know, pretty much getting closer to now a year anniversary of this, and we're still we're still seeing problems. I, I know people that experience problems as they still try to fill out unemployment or, you know, people that just aren't getting their checks in a, in a timely manner. And, you know, I don't know if there's anything that, I don't know if there's a quick fix for it, unfortunately. And I think it'd be nice if there were more checks and, and helps, you know, helping, you know, checks and balances and help. But I don't know what the answer is because we've gone almost a year now since, you know, next month is going to be the, the year anniversary of shutdowns and, you know, really COVID, you know, coming into Ohio. And we really haven't fixed any of the problems we're related to this anyway. Well, and I think, and let's be honest, I mean, we're all working harder. Um, you know, we're fortunate to have our jobs. Um, we're, Every industry, if it's journalism, if it's you know state government, if it's your local grocery store, whatever, you're working more to make things work. And again, I'm not critical of companies. I'm more saying, look, we're, we're fighting hard because we're all struggling <clears throat> with COVID. I mean, we're, we're working our butts off to, to not just maintain the roof over our own houses and food coming into our plates, but also too to help the company survive, you know, and, and I'm talking our company, I'm talking a bunch of other companies. I, I think where everybody falls short and let's get specific about the state is no one's really here to explain what each company does. And right. I think that's where you get issues. Yes. There's a bunch of crooks out there trying to scam the state. I know that. I mean, let's don't, uh, kid ourselves, but when you don't have people that can talk to the public and let them know what's happening, that's where you get confusion. I'll say this about journalism, and look, Gannett, I'm waving the flag for Gannett. Gannett does it better than a lot of other journalism companies in Ohio, and, and Craig, we could have fun, we get everyone mad at us, talking about journalism companies in Ohio that don't do it the right way. Right. I will say, Gannett does it the right way, but even when it comes to journalism, I think we need more people being able to explain to customers what we do. The hard problem is at main newsrooms, we don't have to staff. I mean, you know, you're writing stories, editors are editing stories, you know, producers are making sure everything goes right. And I, I kind of wonder is, and Gannett's got a good customer service bank when it comes to customer concerns, but I'm wondering about is in newspapers, restaurants, all these other places, does need, and maybe it's not even public relations, but does need someone to better talk to the public because that's where misunderstandings happen. Uh, that's where you get arguments over a bunch of stuff and everything else. I, I don't know. I, I used to be a public relations guy. I'm very much into public <laughs> relations. And, and just saying, keep your company's name clean. And again, 
again that i think we do it right yeah do we struggle sure we're not perfect but again that we do it right but there's a lot of companies out there that just don't do that and i think that's where you have these issues uh with the dispatch story where they sit there and say oh we're having these troubles and everything well again there's scammers out there but i think there's a lot of americans and ohioans who don't understand how this stuff works you know that unemployment form that I used to pay myself for the furloughs that we had to take. That was clear as mud, and it ticked me off when I tried to call and I had to wait online for a couple hours right. to say, "Hey, your form's thirty years old. It's like internet from you know nineteen eighty. How do I write this down?" I, I couldn't get the answer. And honestly, I I went last summer thinking, "Oh man, maybe I'm going to get accused of fraud." And maybe I won't go to jail of it, but I won't get paid. I needed that money. So yeah. eh, it's six. It's a tough situation. Yeah, it's nerve wracking. And, you know, a lot of these people are relying on the money that they're going to receive from unemployment. And, yeah, it's great that you eventually get it. But for some people, getting it three weeks after the fact is not good enough. And, you know, I, I didn't have to deal with this mess last year, thankfully. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, there's got to be a better way to do these things. And, you know, the, the state of Ohio has to treat it like they're a business and, and have maybe, you know, I, I can't imagine that the governor or the lieutenant governor enjoy answering questions all the time about, you know, readers or listeners or viewers of, of these various news agencies having questions about why is it so slow or, you know, why does it take hours and hours and hours to get through the phone? You know, it'd be probably best if they had someone that could be a spokesperson for this entire problem that knows all the ins and outs of, you know, the problems that they're seeing, whether it's short staff or whatever, like most people just want answers. And that's, and that's the thing, you know, they, they at least want an answer. They don't like the runaround of, well, we're trying, you know, tell us like, Hey, you know, we were prepared for 500, you know, unemployed people and we've got 50,000 unemployed people, something like that. Just to, you, you want to put it into layman's terms. You want people to, to better understand where you're coming from that way, even though they probably don't like it, they can at least accept what the responses are. Well, here's another thought too. And Hey, if you want to know, I'm moderate. So I'm not coming at this from a Republican Democrat angle, but the classic Republican Democratic business debate is saying, you know, Democrats like, Hey, you know, we want more governmental programs to help when, when stuff happens and Republicans are more like, ah, government's too involved, not getting involved. Well, I understand both sides, and I, I understand this thought of, man, the, how can the government get more involved to help us out when COVID's kind of screw, screw on the economy? Well, if you do that, and I see the merits behind it, make sure you have a customer service to help support that. Because if you don't have a customer service to support that, or if you're calling your local government office, and if you're on a 30-year-old website, then maybe we shouldn't have more governmental help. Because you can't support itself. You know, it, it just, right. to me, that makes sense. And again, this isn't a Republican or Democratic argument. This is a let's make it work. And I'm, I'm fine with making it work. I'm yeah. hopeful we can make it work that way. But we just have to have people to understand and explain it. And to the point the Republican, uh, you know, senator was making, let's also take steps to eliminate fraud. Because if we eliminate fraud, that's going to end up costing the taxpayers too. And you know, I don't know what to say. And I, I'll tell you, too, and you might be sitting there going, geez, you're asking for more and more money. You're asking for more help for people. You're asking for more oversight. Well, 
if we don't do that, then hopefully you've got a billion dollars saved up because you're going to go for that too. I, I mean, it, it, we just have to find a, a more fair and equitable system. And to DeWine's credit, yeah, he got thrown in, in a mess. I mean, we didn't know COVID was coming until January, and you know he's sitting there like, oh, crap, we got to deal with it. And I'm grateful for the things that Dwayne's been able to do. I'm not blaming him, but what I'm saying is it's going to take a more dedicated effort because even after COVID goes away, I mean, it's still going to be a long time for us to do And there's going to be economic issues that we haven't even seen yet right. that we're going to see when COVID goes away. So it, it, it's going to be a, it's, it's going to need a huge dedicated effort, Republicans and Democrats, to make this work. Yeah, I mean, you know, and think of it this way, even though we've hired so many more, you know, telestaff to, to take phone calls, you know, I'm not saying that they're not trained, but, you know, to to take on all those extra calls last year, were they trained enough to be able to answer specific questions related to a complex issue like unemployment? Yeah. You know? So you're talking about, yeah, it's great that we have 2,000 or 2,500 people now taking calls like it, you know, compared to what it was before, but how many of those people are really understanding of all the questions that are going to come from something, first of all, that we've never seen before in COVID, second of all, who may have gotten trained on, on certain things, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, if someone asks you a question, if you don't know, just ask us or whatever. So it's it's a really a tough process because even though we have extra staff, it doesn't seem like we're probably going to be able to answer those questions just because we have 2,500 people answering phones now. Okay, and you know what? I'm going to say something very... You may hate me for this, but I'm just going to say it. It's a call center job. Okay, and call centers are good places. Call centers, if you need a job, go to a call center. But there was a time in my life where I needed a job. It was about uh, 10, 12 years ago. Okay, wife tells me, go to the call center. I'm like, I don't know if I could do it. I walked into the call center. I was breathing. I, I didn't have any convictions. I got hired. Okay, now... If you have a call center job, great. That's wonderful. I'm not critiquing you if you have a call center job. But we're putting, like you said, we're saying, hey, we want people who understand what they're doing and everything else. Well, you're hiring 2,500 people potentially off the street that you don't know if they know or not. You know what I mean? And, and that's the ever hard thing, too. Yeah, it's a big difference. I, I, and look, I'm not saying that we were hiring unqualified candidates for these jobs, but it, I, I find it hard to believe that we found so many qualified candidates that knew about unemployment, especially in relation right. to COVID. No one, even people that work at call centers probably are still learning about how to deal with the ins and outs of, of filing for unemployment during COVID. So you're hiring new people. It's a lot different than, say, you know, the whole contact tracing stuff where contact tracers are supposed to be, generally speaking, they're supposed to be people that are familiar with healthcare, whether they're LPN or, you know, RNs. So the idea, there's a big difference between hiring people that do contact tracing versus maybe hiring call center people to just to take the phone calls. And yeah, you're training them to take phone calls, but can you, do you have enough time to really train these people to understand the ins and outs of unemployment, which is already a complex topic? And I'm not critiquing people call centers. I know what I said probably sounds evil and vicious, but call centers, they're always looking for people because it's a thankless job. I mean, even if you got hired as a call center employee to talk about unemployment, it doesn't matter if you're an expert or if you know nothing about unemployment. That job's going to stink. 
Because you're going to have a bunch of TikTok people calling me every day going, where's my employment check? Man, I can't make ends meet. And I'm not saying everybody who calls in is going to be evil and vicious, but there's going to be people with sad, sad stories. And I know from working at call center in your past, I mean, this stuff sticks with you. You know, we talk about what it's like to cover sad stories in journals and how this affects us personally. Well, think about it at a call center. You're going to be getting calls all day from people going, you know, I, I, I can't afford my rent. And where's my unemployment check? I mean, right. it's not just, you know, so it's sad. And that's why they're always looking for people because people don't want to stick there forever. And I'm sure they don't pay terribly, but I'm sure they don't pay great. I mean, it's not like you and I are going to be like, man, we got to leave the newspaper so we can go to a call center job. So right. there's no right answer. And again, God bless you, call center workers. I mean, you do a yeoman's job, and hey, I'm glad it's out there. If I ever need to go there in the future, um, it's good. But what I'm saying is, there's, there's no easy answer. No. And yeah, and thanks to Ohio for understanding that and expanding their call centers. I will say, when stuff was really, really bad, they didn't have that people in the call center. I know the employment rate's so higher than it needs to be right, right now, but when the unemployment rate went down a little bit. That's when we got more call sign people. When the unemployment rate was really high, that's when we're like, dang, we need, right. we can't get through to people. So yeah, but it was and, so backlogged, and you know, people were still making calls even after they returned. You know, I mean, I know people that have returned to work that are still trying to clean up, you know, the unemployment that they weren't given months ago. So, you know, unemployment may be down, and, and maybe it was under control, but you still need those people for the backlog, probably too. Well, and here's my challenge to the state, and I'll just say this. Okay, we're going through crap right now, and I think realistically, I mean, we're going to probably start getting out of this, and I say probably in terms of I really hope we are, maybe by the end of the year, maybe. Um, I think maybe spring of next year, we might finally start going, oh, okay, we're we're better, you know? <laughs> Right. My challenge to the state is, and you know this is going to happen, Craig, because our state economic problems aren't going away. What happens in the spring when we get out of this and people say, wow, we're out of this. We don't need 2,500 people in the call centers anymore. I mean, you may not need 2,500, but don't cut it down where there's like 50 people in the call center. Right. Because, again, if you're having state programs, and, again, I'm a moderate, I'm against state programs, have the backbone to have people to support what you're throwing yeah. in there. And it, the shame is, politically, it's going to depend on who wins. I mean, we talked about the governor's race, and, jeez, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about the governor's race forever because this is still two <clears> years <throat> away. Right. But I'm hoping, and again, I'm not rooting or rooting against anybody, but I'm hoping we don't lose that priority based on whoever gets elected. And, you know. That's my challenge. Let's keep supporting people out there. And I think that's the big thing. All right, Craig, I went off way too long on this, man. I, I got a little, <laughs> little revved up. Well, let's talk a couple of goofy stories. And hey, we talked about Ohio, and obviously there's, there's a bunch of serious stuff, but I, I want to have fun. And so let's talk about a couple of really goofy things before we close for the day. Dolly Parton, she's not Ohioan, but we love Dolly Parton, Ohio. Believe me, every time we run a Dolly Parton story, a million people click on it. I thought this was interesting. Uh, Dolly Parton's been very instrumental in the, the COVID fight. Uh, she gave a million bucks to Vanderbilt University to uh, help fund research to fight, fight COVID-19. Well, 
you know, Dolly's an older lady. Um, I think she just turned 75, right? I think and, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so she's up for a virus. Uh, she's up for a... Uh, not up for the virus, that'd be weird. Um, <laughs> she's up for the vaccine to fight the virus. And she says, hey, I'm not going to run in front of the line. I don't care what I've done or what I've helped and everything. And hey, bravo Dolly Parton. I, I mean, Dolly Parton, if you like her music or not, I think Dolly's demonstrated for life that she's a very giving person. And, you know, we cheer her bravo to that. I got to say, though, if you give a million dollars to help fight coronavirus, I think as a society, we need to say, Dolly, right to the front of the line. I mean, I, I know the diplomatic thing to say, and I love Dolly's heart for saying, I'm not going to jump over everybody, but it's one vaccine dose. I know each vaccine dose is vital and important, and we don't want to get rid of anything. But, man, if you give a million bucks to help fight coronavirus, here you go, Dolly. I mean, is that crazy? I don't think it's crazy to think that. I will say this, though, you know, for someone like her, it's great to see that she's not willing to jump the line or, or, or believing that she she it's her right to jump the line, uh, whether because she you know donated all that money or just because she's a celebrity. Um, you know, it's kind of like how we always ask the governor questions, and I know the governor didn't exactly make the same you know donations and things like that. But you know, everybody always asks the governor, "Oh, are you going to get the vaccine on on air?" And you know, everybody said, "Well, it'd be great for you to get the vaccine because." it'll demonstrate that you you think it's safe and that people should get the vaccine. But he said, I'm not going to jump the line just because I'm the governor and I can, you know, get the vaccine on, on TV where everybody can watch it. So, you know, I, I'm glad that she's not going to jump the line. You know, could she get it? Does she deserve it? Yeah, of course she does. And, you know, I will say this though, I'm not sure exactly if she's going to get it in like Tennessee or wherever, but you know, a, a lot of it depends too is, you know, there's people out there that are hurting a lot more than her for it. And I'd like to see those people get it before someone like her, who I'm not saying that because she's, you know, a celebrity that she's the beacon of health or anything. But, you know, there are probably more people that need it before her. And I think that, you know, she can get it when she qualifies to get it. And that's great. But I think it's probably best just to sit out until it's your time. Yeah. And again, if that happens, that's great. Because <clears throat> that shows you have a heart. I, I'm just saying just out of a, Hey, thank you. Because you're donating money to help fight coronavirus. Yeah. Now, if you're just an NBA player who just plays ball and you're like, oh, we want to protect the NBA player. Okay, I'm going to get a little bit more ticked off about that. But if you're supporting coronavirus, or even, yeah. I'll make the argument. DeWine took a weird question the other day in, in his press conference talking about, well, did you jump anybody in line? I mean, heck, you're the freaking Ohio governor. Go to the front of the line. I mean, he's a public official. You know, I, I'd say the same thing about, you know, the president, whoever it is, you know, I, I think you got to get to the point where, yeah, you can't just say, hey, you're a celebrity, so get the vaccine. But if you're fighting the virus financially or, you know, let's support these guys or let's support our public officials. I mean, you know, we can't have people in harm's way that are fighting to protect us. I, I don't know. I mean, and it's one vaccine. Uh, you know, that's why I didn't like that question of DeWine. I mean, it's not like, you know, DeWine took a thousand vaccines and was stabbing himself in the arm. It's one vaccine. He's a governor. I mean, give him a break. Yeah, I mean, damned, damned if you do, damned if you don't, because, like, yeah. 
People were asking him, are you going to take it? I think it'd be a good show of support for the vaccine if the governor took it on live TV. And then, of course, you know, you get a question saying, should you are you jumping the line? It's like, well, he qualifies for it. And I know the question probably, you know, stems from the fact that we're under, you know, we're under delivered on on our vaccine rollout, which means that just because his his age bracket qualifies doesn't mean everybody in his age bracket gets the vaccine. So, you know. He he had no. There was it was a no win situation for him realistically. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I wanted to talk about this too, and you know, Craig and I aren't beer drinkers, so we're not going to take advantage of this. But I thought this was kind of a weird story. Miller Lite is saying that they're going to give you a they're going to give six packs to their fans. And apparently, and I'm trying to figure out where you see this at, you have to type in the 836-character URL to get your six-pack. Craig, did you see where where are we getting this URL from? I don't I don't see the URL. Um, all it just says is that typing out the entire URL will, will burn at least a single calorie, which is unique. It's kind of a fun a fun little marketing tool, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know where you find, it's almost like, can you even post this? Because if you do, then people are just going to copy and paste it. So you really oh. can't do that. So it's like, well, how do you find, how do you find out what to type for 800? Unless you just type out, you know, Miller light, and then you can just type out like, you know, numbers or I don't know. I, it doesn't make much sense to me. Um, well, well, I'm seeing a clarification here. They're saying that, Leading up to the big game, which I'm assuming is today, because geez, the what Sunday's like three days from now. Yeah. Um, they're they're going to be broadcasting this URL across its social media accounts okay. on podcasts and in print advertising. So the thought would be is you know it's not like it's going to be on a a story where you could just you know copy and paste it. Well, and here's my thing. And again, I don't drink beer. I'm not going to sit here and get in the moral discussion if you should drink beer or not. I like getting stuff for free. I love entering contests. Yeah, here's a good plug. Also, on viewfromthepew.club, where you see our podcast, I post contest plugs. Um, and, you know, we're like a radio station now. We have a lot of podcasts you can listen to. You know, on the radio station website, there's, hey, there's contests to win. So click on our contest. You can win stuff. It's a, a good plug for that. But, okay, so I'm on the winning stuff. Hey, Craig, if you say if you send me a link saying, hey, you can get something for free, I'm clicking that link. I'm probably taking advantage of it. But there is an amount of time you have to spend. So even on my contest blog, I take about 15 minutes a day, find contests I can throw up in the blog. Okay, and I say, hey, I'll devote 15 minutes of my life to doing that. That's my own choice. I'm kind of wondering, is it worth typing in 836 letters for a free six-pack of beer? I mean, it's eight eight bucks. And yeah. hey, if it's worth it to you, go with God. Bravo. I just don't know if I'm going to type in 836 characters exactly right for beer. And actually, they're saying they're going to Venmo you eight bucks. So even if you don't drink beer, <laughs> you get eight bucks. So right. spend it on a pizza or whatever else the case might be. Yeah. I don't know. I it, it's funny. It, it, you might sit there and say, well, dope, you spent an hour recording on Twitch, a Super Bowl preview, and you tell me you don't have time to type in 86, 36 well, characters. You know, you do 10 podcasts a week, you jerk. So, yeah, I know. It's a personal choice. 
I understand that. To me, I don't know if typing it into the six characters is worth the payoff. Yeah, I think if it was more than a six pack, then probably. I mean, eight dollars does not seem like. I guess you got to look at it from value standpoint. Like you know, you you enter a bunch of contests. It's the value of how much you can win versus how much time you need to spend to enter that contest. I don't know how long it would take to jot down this 836 character URL, but I'm sure it's probably going to take you some time, not just jotting it down, but having to watch it on the screen or find it or wherever. And then you got to put it on, you know, not pen to paper in this case, but, you know, put in the URL. If it was like more than a six pack, then I think I'm not saying I would do it because I don't drink beer and I, I, I won't, but I'm sure people will do this just for the fun of it, for the challenge, maybe even. Yeah. And and maybe some beer drinkers that are like, oh man, I'd love to save eight dollars on Miller Light or whatever. And that's fine. I don't really care, but I just I just feel like you gotta look at it from the value standpoint. If it was more than a six pack, then you know what? Yeah. Or if they were gonna, you know, give you like twenty five dollars or fifty dollars, I think would be a lot better, you know. Obviously they want to inspire you to buy the beer. But some people might just get the money and say, well, I'm just going to buy pizza with it or something else with it. Yeah, because, again, they're giving you eight bucks. So, yeah, like for you and me, we don't drink. So, you know, we could say, oh, we're not going to do it for the drinking. Well, they'll still give you eight bucks. I mean, yeah, their promo is buy beer, but, you know, you don't have to. You can yeah. spend on pizza or, hey, I'm playing and watching the game. I'm, I'm bummed because my Steelers aren't in it. But, hey, you know, Tom Brady against the Chiefs, it should be interesting. Yeah. I'm so, yeah, I, I, I want some snacks. What Molly tells me to buy too many snacks. So, <laughs> hey, at least I'll say, hey, I got my eight bucks. But, yeah, again, I'm, I'm a big hypocrite for saying I won't do this. Because, again, I spend time on <laughs> – I spend more time podcasting. So, I guess well, you could say, well, come back to podcasting. Yeah, it just goes back to value and how you value the time and right. what the prize is. I mean, some people think it's a – you know, it's – it's a fun little promotion. You know, you burn a calorie or whatever they say, which is the extra calorie that you get with Miller Lite compared to other beers. So, you know, it's it's not a bad marketing strategy. I, I mean, I'm sure they're going to have some people try it. Probably some people fail and some people do it. And at the end of the day, you're getting eyeballs on your internet, you know, on your Miller Lite. So good for them. But, yeah, I mean, $8, not a whole lot for all the time you're probably going to have to spend on copying it down, putting it in the computer. It's just, I, it, it, it had to have been more than a six-pack. I mean, come on. Why be so stingy about it? They must think a lot of people are going to do it. Well, and yeah, well, can you imagine from a marketing side? Okay, again, it's Andrew 36 characters, so I can't believe like half of America would do it. But man, that could be money. I mean, how many Americans do we have now? Was it 350 million? Yeah, I mean, I get it, you know, but you got to reduce a lot of that population for underage and for kids. And right. although maybe I guess if you're underage, you, you can type in this, this URL and get the money, you know, if you have a Venmo app. So, I mean, it's kind of odd though. I mean, cause you're, you're basically like an a, a alcohol distributor giving money to underage people, unless there's like a, a rule that says you have to be 21, but really anybody with a computer and a Venmo account, you know, okay, so there is a limit of 5,000 entries, so they've already capped. Oh, okay, okay. Um, which probably is a good idea. I don't know if they're gonna, they might get to 5,000, they probably will. And there's well, gonna be even if they do it's 40 dollars, 
expense. So yeah, there's going to be people that there's going to be people that will do it just because it's a challenge, and maybe they're computer whizzes, and they can find a way to like maybe cheat the system and get the URL to just copy and paste in some way, depending on how it how it you know it's it's flashed across the screen or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you know, there are going to be people doing it just for the challenge of it, and there may be a couple of people that do it just to get the six pack. I don't know. I would think they should give a little bit more than a six pack, though. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Well, I'm glad you clarified that they're only doing it for 5,000 people because I watched a documentary. I was young when this happened, but looking back at 84 in the Olympics, and I remember getting the coupons. Um, McDonald's had their uh, Monopoly game for the Olympics and saying, hey, well, no, it wasn't a Monopoly game. It was a game that if th- you would get this game card, it would say, like, men's pommel horse gymnastics or 100-yard dash or whatever. And if the Americans won a gold, you had, like, a certain food for free, silver, another food for free, and bronze, another food right. for free. Well, if you remember, the 84 Summer Olympics were boycotted by Russia and a bunch of European countries. So America won pretty much everything. And McDonald's <laughs> lost so much money oh, yeah. in that. So it kind of makes me think about that, and maybe that's why Mo White's at five thousand. Because yeah. can you imagine if, let's say, ten million people? I mean, that's an eighty million dollars expense from yeah. Miller Lite. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense to cap it. So I mean, clearly they had an idea of like how much money do we want to spend on this, and someone said forty thousand dollars. Okay, well we need five thousand contestants only. So. Okay. You know, I'm sure they probably just in the in the in the marketing room they just said how much money do we have to play with, and someone said this is how much, and they said okay, this is what we'll do. And I'm sure our critics are probably like, dang, you guys just talked about that six minutes. You guys could have spent that <laughs> we six put minutes. The URL and got the eight dollars. Yeah, maybe yeah. we'll do that. You know, hey, we are always interested in um, revenue ideas for the yeah. show, so. I don't know. I I, <laughs> I can see her, I can see the comments coming in saying, "Hey, dope. Why, why don't you just do that?" Hey, I want to touch on this briefly. I and I only touch on this because um, long time ago, when this first happened, we were making fun of these people. Um, there was a woman that um, was flashing people uh, during the World Series. Uh, she sat right behind home plate. Uh, she flashed people, and I guess there was actually some shots of you know. What happens when you flash people? Well, there was a story coming out. You, you know, I think back to all these Hollywood movies where they change the sign. Like maybe there's a natural disaster and the Hollywood sign, you know, comes crashing down and everything. But you know, it's just movies. Well, they altered the sign to say Holly Boop, okay, which obviously has some connotations that, you know, people are like, oh, why are they talking about that? Well, apparently the woman that did this. Uh, she was actually the woman that flashed, and her assertion was, even back in the World Series, was, I'm doing this to promote breast cancer awareness. And you can raise a question going, why are you flashing a live TV camera to do that? You know, yeah. It has another impression. Um, and then why are you changing an iconic sign to have the word boob in it, too? I, I thought it was just weird. Uh, we'll have the link to it on um, New York Post. Um, and the wild thing about it is she's flicking off the camera as they take a picture of her. So I don't know. It was just kind of a weird story. Yeah. I, not much to add to this other than, you know, it seems like a lot of work and a lot of trouble to go through just to put up a <laughs> Holly boob. I, I just, I don't know. I, you know, some people just have a lot of time in their hands and want to get the, the fame and publicity. I get it, but. 
I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's just it, it's bizarre. I, I don't know. And you know, I'm sure she's probably like, "Hey, the notoriety," because you know a lot of podcasts see Holly Boob and they're like, "Oh, we're going to talk about it." I I just you know. I guess it's the second time I've talked about this girl, and I think we've mostly talked about it because it's it's a very uh, how do we say this right? A very strange public relations campaign. If she's really trying to promote, you know, and again, she's not promoting breast cancer. Like, yay, breast cancer! She she claims she's trying to fight breast cancer, but right. it's a very strange way of doing it. So, well, I guess my my only question, and and, and maybe it's you know, mean is not knowing, but. You know, it hasn't really, you know, sparked any, you know, has she done anything to fight breast cancer with, with doing these stunts? I mean, it's easy to say that that's your that's sort of your your out is, oh, well, I'm promoting breast cancer awareness. But, you know, have you raised money? Have you donated money? Are you using your social media platforms to talk about breast cancer or where people can get involved? I don't know. I mean, if that's happening, then, you know, good on you for it. But I, I just, you know. This stunt and, you know, the other stuff, I'm just, you know, maybe I just don't know enough about this person's, you know, backstory here to really know if this makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I, that's a good way of putting it. Um, but you, you never know. Sometimes these things actually, you know, stunts like this actually help out. Like, it, it was funny. I was thinking back a couple weeks ago, um, the Buffalo Bills beat the Baltimore Ravens in a playoff game. And Bills fans are crazy, but Bills fans are very, how do you say it? They're very um, generous. And it was interesting because they donated money. Uh, Lamar Jackson got hurt, I think the Ravens star quarterback. And I think they were trying to support Lamar Jackson, not make fun of him, but they felt bad for him because he got knocked out of the game. And they said, hey, we're going to help support his charity. And it actually made a lot of money. I was actually thinking about this, too. Um, uh, Bills fans, the Bengals beat the Ravens a couple years ago. And that got the Bills into the playoffs because, you know, the Bengals right. uh, be a higher-ranking team. Well, they actually supported Andy Dalton's charity because Andy Dalton was the quarterback of the Bengals at that time. So, so I guess the thought is sometimes when you do stuff like that, it takes – Hold and maybe some people say, wow, I want to support people because of that. I don't know. I haven't heard that yet for this girl. I, I guess that she's trying to do things for the right reason. And again, I say quotes, she's trying. Maybe the hope is it sparks interest on social media, but I, I think it more sparks kind of humor and what the heck is she doing? You know, and what a bizarre way of doing things. So it, it, even if her heart's in the right place, she's choosing a weird way of expressing i guess yeah definitely so very good well craig i appreciate your flexibility man uh we can't do this every day kind of getting up against my work time but i appreciate it and like i said hopefully we'll get um brandon back tomorrow uh anything else going on that we should shout out before you end no not today definitely well hey uh just a couple last shouts like i said check out chase bank sign for account Attached direct deposit, you get paid. It's as easy as that. So click the link on our site. We also have a couple of sponsors. Um, don't like keep you by mentioning them all. Click on the sponsors. Buy some stuff off them. It really helps us out. It'll help them out as well. Um, subscribe to our podcast. Um, 
Thank you for checking out the podcast. There's a lot of ways listed before where you can subscribe. And again, we're pumping out tons of content. So yeah, check us out. And I would even say too, I know it's ambitious to think, um, man, we're having what about an hour and a half, two hours of content each day. I know it's ambitious. Um, there's a podcast I subscribe to that I may have to unsubscribe to because I don't have time to listen to all the content. And I get that. And we're not asking you for money to subscribe to this podcast, but, you know, listen to us on the weekend. I know um, Craig and, um, you know, Paul that have been giving you some reviews. Those are a couple minutes of time. You know, catch up with our podcast if you're falling behind a little bit. We've got a lot of uh, great stuff out there. So, Craig, as always, thank you for Craig and Brandon. Hopefully you're feeling better. This is Chris. Have a great day, and thanks for checking out the Ohio. You have a good one.